From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast, and I'm the bomb. For many burners, Reno is the gateway to Burning Man. Whether coming from or going to Black Rock City, all roads lead to Reno. And after a week of freedom, fire, and grace of what we know as Burning Man, a friend of mine feels that the return from Burning Man, especially when coming through Reno, is, well, depressing, and made the remark, Reno is so close to hell, you can see sparks. Okay, in today's episode of Burncast, we speak to a few burners literally on the streets of Reno at the end of Burning Man as they prepare for their return to their default life and reflect back on their experiences at the event. Two of our guests are veteran burners and two of them are virgins. First up are the two vets by the names of Rossi and Hadass. What's your name and how long have you been going to Burning Man? Uh, Rossi and for four years. This is my fourth one. And uh, I love it. I spent four birthdays out there. My birthday is on the 30th, so it was on Wednesday. <laughs> I try to explain Burning Man to a lot of people, and it, we, they don't really get it. I mean, like, you, you can't explain the size, you can't explain what happens out there. But the one thing that I like to tell them, because I realized this last year, is um, you know when you visit a different city or you lived in a different town? And you have that one street and that one cafe that you just love, and it's your neighborhood, and it's your people, and you're thinking, it's like, oh, is that great Greek place still open? Are they making gyros there today? And uh, you you go to where you live, you know, you leave that that place, and uh, you always think about it in the back of your mind, and you wonder what's happening there at the moment. And you think about Burning Man that way, but the thing is that Burning Man doesn't exist unless you're there. Just like anywhere else in the world, it continues. Yeah. Well, there, it is only present as long as you're there. Otherwise, it's ethereal. <laughs> and I really love that about Burning Man because you're not missing it. You can't go back to it. It's not somewhere you can go constantly. It's that moment when you're ready for it that, that, it, is, that, that it exists. <laughs> and how long have you been back? In I got back uh, pretty much 12 o'clock today. And how are you acclimating? Yeah, walking around is helping. Yeah. It's funny to bump into burners and uh, you know wave at them, say hi, <laughs> keep myself from slowly attempting to readjust, but it's going to take weeks. It usually takes me weeks. What kind of thoughts are running through your head right now? Like, Are you thinking back on Burning Man and what happened? Are you looking forward to... The year ahead. I mean, what's what's in your head right now? I I've decided that. Well, I think of it as a New Year's, probably because you know birthday and so on. It's like it's just the beginning of a new year, and I'm thinking there was a lot of kindness that I experienced out there this year. Not necessarily more than usual, but it was present in this really strong way, and I think I just want to keep it <laughs> throughout the year. It's like those acts of kindness and making sure that everybody around you is having a as good a time as you are or are okay and are and are feeling well and if you can make that difference it's it's gonna matter. <laughs> How did you find out about Burning Man? Oh, my sister actually went one year and they only went for uh, one night. Her boss had gotten free tickets because they were uh, she was working for a graphic design agency and they were doing some stuff for them and and so they got free tickets so they went for for just one night and she's like she just got hooked and we went the next year 
So she's been out there for four years, but she missed one. And I've been out for, for the second, you know, the first year that we went. I've been going back ever since. And Do you have any shout-outs for people that you met and maybe had a random experience or whatever and you don't know how to get a message out to them? Because here's your chance. Well, I just want to say, SB, I love you. And uh, we're going to have a great time next year. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Tell me what's in your heart right now about Burning Man. My name is Hadas. I don't know if my heart is focused on Burning Man. I feel like right now I'm so, uh, I'm kind of sad and depressed uh, being back in reality, especially the harsh reality that I'm in right now. And I think I'm so experiencing that shift from Burning Man to the real world that I can't even focus on, oh, it was great or it was good because it's the change, the shift is so extreme and so different that that's what I'm, I'm feeling right now. What is your reality right now? It's, it's actually kind of surreal around me, like there's all these lights and concrete and people acting normally and, and everything is supposed to be kind of this place that I accept and, and it doesn't feel very good, I know. Can you, can you talk about your reality from a few days ago? Can you tap into that? Yeah, I think a few days ago I was in a place where I was kind of watching myself and I was trying to find my centeredness um, and at the same time I was letting myself get swept up to some degree that I felt was safe by the wind and the desert and the freedom and there was a little bit of fear that it was all just gonna kinda go away at the end. Did it? Yeah, kind of. I mean I think that there's things that stay and I think there's things that I take from that place for my life but I don't think any place or any reality is the same as Burning Man and even if you take the lessons from there, it's not the same and your soul and your body experience that, you know, that it's that place of total freedom and total love and you can have anything you want in such an amazing big way. It feels like it doesn't really exist in exactly that same way anywhere else. That I've experienced and I've you know I'm a person that travels and has a lot of freedom and have gone to other countries and and it's it's different there because it's a completely different reality it's, it's not just the ability to do anything you want or make whatever choices you want it's about having something that's bigger than you that everybody creates with you yeah. is there anybody out there that you'd like to send a message to Um, I don't really know. I feel like the people that experienced Burning Man with me are the people that were meant to go and, and the people that didn't are in this other reality that I don't even feel like I can communicate with right now because it's too, it's too far away, it's too hard, it's too much of a drop down into earth. So it's, I'm not quite ready to do that even. Do you know how, what it's going to take to acclimate? I think I'm just going to like sort of take some time to get used to it and, and to go to a few kind of festivals where there's a little bit of like a shift from Burning Man to someplace that has a little more, more freedom and love to life in the city but I don't know really I mean I just kind of every year I try to find more balance between the two worlds um, and at the same time not keep myself from experiencing it and do what I can as far as that goes. I love it when I'm there. I'm, I'm happy that it exists, but I also feel like there's this metaphor that it's like you're going into a relationship with somebody that you really love, and you know that at the end they're going to kind of break your heart, but you go anyway.
My guests are veteran burners Rossi from Reno and Hadass from Seattle, speaking about Burning Man a few days after the man had burned. Next up is an interview about the experiences of Paulo and Turbo, two virgin burners from Dallas. But first is music from Nerve Picnic from their Phalanx of Echo CD. My name is Paolo from Dallas, and uh, I'm a first-time burner. I'm a virgin, and we drove our asses up here with all our stuff, and uh, felt like the clampets. But we, you know, uh, Turbo said something that really helped me uh, get over the initial fear of everything. She said, "A lot of other people are doing it. They're piling all their stuff in their cars, heading out there." So we did it. And what compelled you to do it? What the hell would you drive all the way from Dallas to do this for? <laughs> well, she had some dreams actually about Burning Man. I saw it in uh, High Times magazine, an article on it, and then a couple other places, and it piqued my interest. And then when she told me about her dreams of this crazy city in the desert, I told her what I'd found out about Burning Man, and she said, Buy tickets. And so I bought tickets, and then I started sweating. <laughs> okay, uh, tell me what your name is and tell me about your dreams. I'm Turbo, and the first dream that I remember was walking in a gridded street area. It was not paved, and um, I had money, but my money was useless. And I, I wanted cookies, and I didn't know the exchange, you know, because money was no good. Of course, I didn't know anything about Burning Man. And uh, walking down the road, there were people in um, vehicles kind of hanging out, very Mad Max style. And I was intimidated and even a little um, taken aback at first. But as they approached, I looked at them and I realized I knew them. And so it was, it was kind of fun. And so that was one, one dream. And then there was just a series of other things that led up to us collecting all of our things. Paolo built the dome for us. So, we, yeah, we didn't go out there and just... We, we went all the way. We did good. When did these dreams start? Mm. Um, they started probably about January of last year, I guess. 2005 or 2006? 2005, I th yeah. And you came to Burning Man with a playa name? Yes, we thought about it. We knew that everybody goes with, with their plan, playa name. Paolo had been on a tribe and finding out. and just We really wanted to come out and be prepared for it. And I think that we did a good job. And my feeling of it was like watching a movie for several days, just like watching this beautiful movie unfold. So it was an amazing experience. And I just 
think that anybody who wants to connect on a spiritual level with their human with with the rest of humanity go check it out do not fear the porta potties <laughs> so what is your playa name and how did you get it my playa name is turbo it was given to me by my partner who took me with him and gave me a, just a wonderful journey and uh, I think that I'll I'll keep it and maybe I'll use it beyond Playa. I go fast sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so speak to me about your virgin experiences, having educated yourself about what to expect and then actually experiencing it. Was it was it anything that you expected or or what? Well, I had done a, quite a bit of research. I built a dome and we didn't we intentionally didn't go to any of the regional events because we wanted to experience the big burn first. We wanted to just jump in both feet. And so we built a dome. We felt like we were very prepared. And uh, I think we did a good job. We got out there. And I have to admit, though, the first couple days kicked my ass. In what way? Just the, the heat and l constantly looking for your things, you know, <laughs> in containers and digging around. And it's like, I got to a point where, don't ask me where anything is, I don't want to look for it. I have my essentials on me, I have my goggles, I have my headlamp, and some blinky things and I'm good. That's <laughs> when did you arrive? We got there on Monday about noon, noon, yeah. How long did it take to drive? 30 hours. Nonstop? No way. <laughs> how, how did you do it? Actually, Turbo wasn't feeling very good on the trip up. Turbo was in full anxiety mode, yes, and I, we stopped. We made two emergency room uh, clinic visits for me on the way up there so I could get an antibiotic and stuff like that. So we were kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I hope this gets better. So that was our drive. And for me, once I got there, it was like, okay, we're here, and this is where we're going to be. And losing the keys was actually a good thing because the option for leaving just wasn't there. Okay, tell me about losing the keys. <laughs> well, I think it was the first day we had the keys. Oh, yeah, okay, make sure you put the keys back here in this location. And somewhere along the line, they just weren't there anymore. So that was a challenge to overcome. That was a challenge to say, okay, I can go on and have a good time with the rest of this week, or I can sit here and obsess about where the hell my keys are. And I knew that the, the plier provides, the city has everything you need, and I'm sure that includes locksmiths. So, so we just chilled out, and then on Saturday, or Friday or Saturday, a locksmith was driving by and pulled over and made a key for us. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, but it was really very easy. Yeah. Okay, how was your greeting experience? Ah, the greeting experience was wonderful. We waited in line, and you could, you could see the, the city on the drive-in when you get to Gerlach, and you could see all of the, the dust clouds and the, the movement and the lights. And we drove down the, the road, the little dirt road entering the greeting station, and you wait in line, and your, your excitement's just building the whole time. And we get up there, and the greeters are so cool, so nice. I mean, they just, yeah, greeters. Yeah, the greeters are great. They just come up to the windows and ask you all kinds of questions, make you get out. And uh, we, we got out, and they had us yell that uh, that we were virgins, you know, at the top of our lungs, and we rang a bell and and danced around and hugged. <laughs> Where did you camp, and how did you make that decision? We camped with the sprawl and the sunscreen station, which I had hooked up with them online 
before coming out. And so we knew our address and we kind of knew what to expect with our little uh, camp community when we got there. Drink. Yes, drink. <laughs> Did you guys experience the theme? And if so, how? I can say yes. And I can tell you that two days after Exodus, how is still going on. I still see, I still see how. I would say personally that my life is at a crossroads of choices and decisions and, and Burning Man just opened up all of those things. And I think if you, can, if you can take your impression of Burning Man and really try to look at the rest of the world as Burning Man and don't get lost and default, default, default. But remember that that's who you are and you can be that way no matter where you go. You'll conquer your fear and embrace your eternal hope. That was Burning Man for me, and, I've, and when we pulled up, I just felt home. Like, just such a sense of welcoming, and do what, do what you want to do, and if I don't, if I can't choose to support you in that, by God, I'll find somebody who can. And we'll get you clothes that make you feel like you should feel out here on the playa, and we'll, um, you know, we'll clap and we'll cheer for you, and, you know, what, make it your own experience. What about you, Paula? I'm, I'm an optimistic person, and so I'm on the hope side of hope and fear, always. And, but I, I can say, though, that, that the fear, the opportunity to have some fear about this journey, it comes up. And, and especially traveling so far and being first-timers, there's some things, there's some fears that I had to overcome about acceptance and fitting in being cool enough to be a burner you know I mean really and, and also too you hear a lot of horror stories if, especially if you read the read the internet you get a lot of oh my gosh the police are so bad or oh my gosh the porta potties are so bad in my experience I found that really none of that was as bad as what I had thought or had read or you know heard from other people do you have a horror story the worst thing I like to challenge myself personally and as you can tell I'm wearing glasses and I can't see very well um, contacts are definitely just forget about it on the playa and so I went out a couple times without my glasses just to see you know am I going to go into panic mode what happens and at one point I got myself pretty lost and I just sat down and, and waited and somebody really really great came along and took me back to my camp and that was just a theme several times and so I found that if I wasn't capable of something or another somebody else would be and, I, and the big fear I think for a lot of times is we think we have to do it all ourselves and that's not true if we can just embrace community yeah <laughs> we can just embracing a community you just get so much farther now let's talk a little bit about the art any favorite experiences or splinter party that is the, the name you gave. yeah that's love it love it love it love it um belgian. the belgian thing the waffle the whatever my favorite um when i first got there it was like magnetic i just got on my bike and rode out there and went oh my gosh and then i did that every day that i was there you went so. out to the splinter party <laughs> oh yeah every every day he's like wake up and like that thing's gonna burn one day i gotta go look at it today so that was that was uh my my big thing and the and the people the the other artists and getting to ask them about what their concept was behind something was really really exciting. Well, I, I too like the uh, the Belgian sculpture. 
And Turbo brought with her some very personal artwork that she had, that she wanted, that she brought to, for the purpose of burning. And uh, so we went out and had a, our own little personal ceremony at the Belgian structure and left some things with it to be burned. And then we watched the temple burn and, and left. We, we didn't see the Belgian structure burn. Be, as just part of our own decision. Yeah, it was our choice. It was our kind of our little ceremony. Will you talk about your art and the decision not to watch that thing burn even after all that the whole week? I did not know that uh, Burning Man originated from Larry Harvey having a breakup and doing some art and then wanting to burn that art. I didn't know that until we left and I had made some breakup art from a long time ago and just kind of wondering where are these people that I used to know? Who are these people that help put us together and make us who we are right now? You know, or maybe past lovers, um, people who've passed away in, in um, death, or just a wide variety of, of different things. And I realized that this symbol of my heartbreak grew much bigger into not just a male-female relationship, but a lot of different other things. And I just started seeing this little personal play that I had within myself start working its way out amongst different people. And it was really beautiful. And I was scared because I'm not an artist. I've never really... Before. Yes, exactly. But now you are. Yes, I am now. And I put it out there and it was a beautiful experience. And this thing that I didn't even know to get, I really believe in my heart that everybody else got it. And they're like, oh, wow, I'm so glad that somebody else put that down, what I see and what I feel. And I'm grateful for my partner here who supported me in all of this craziness because sometimes getting the art through in, in a medium is very maddening. It, you know, and it takes time and you wake up with it day after day after day after day and it's the same thing and it's morphing and it's changing but ooh, it's still with you. <laughs> and, and so I feel like in my mind that all of that that I created and did I contributed to this massive beautiful structure that was even greater and more wonderful than what I brought and it's whole. It's whole there. And even though it's not there when we go back, the wholeness still is. And so I feel like that's why I didn't need to see it burn. Did you meet anybody out there that you wish you could have said something to or wish you had an opportunity to say something to that if they're listening right now, you could give them a shout out? Hey, Adam, you knew I would always, always come, and I am that cool. <laughs> One experience I had, I rode out to the uh, deep playa, to the fence, and I remember coming across some people and just by chance the, the one person was the brother of our mayor of our theme camp and, and so I talked to him for a while and we had a little meditation and we took pictures and had a great conversation and then just down from that I bicycled a little more and there was this girl standing there very very still and very quiet and she was just looking off into the open playa and I, I got out my backpack and, and took a, a colorful stone and took it over to her and I gave it to her and I told her that she was very loved and I just rode off. And that's, that's an example of I felt inspired to do that. And I had so many experiences the same way returning to me where people would just come up to me and say or give me a little gift or something that was just so heart touching. 
and so magical all all at the same time. Timely and and all at, yeah all at once. Just um, you talk about um, pliodipity and serendipity and stuff like that out there, but you just can't you just can't explain it until you experience it. I met some of the the most amazing people at Burning Man. I, I for me it was the majority of Burning Man was about the people and the people who were there and and what they brought to the experience. Great people. Just for the record, I want to be clear. You guys are a couple? Yes. How did you manage Burning Man as a couple? I would have to say, and, and I know that there's a lot of phenomenal couples out there, but I would have to say that we're probably not ordinary. Um, Paul is very, very tolerant and very understanding and um, lets me bounce off the walls and kind of do my own thing. And I think on Wednesday we had we had a breakdown where I felt like I was not being understood. We were out here in the desert. I was here to do this thing. I was on a mission and he's on vacation. And, you know, and all he said was, I wish the angels would show up now. And sure enough, it wasn't, you know, three minutes later that people were like, hey, are you guys in there? And, you know, they came in and cheered us up and talked about the, the energies and things that happen on the playa. And this is vacation. <laughs> Is there any negotiation about spending time together or spending time <coughs> apart? Or we, we had an understanding that whenever we got to the playa that it was our own experiences. And if we spent time together, that was, that was beautiful. But if either one of us felt the need just to get on our bikes and take off, or if we went out wandering at night and we got split up, just know that the other one's going to find their way back to theme camp and everything's okay. And, you know, we really embraced having our own experiences out there. And so giving each other that space, that space to be ourselves was really critical, I think. And just be open and honest about what you want to do or where you want to go, that sort of thing. Good communication. And your physical energy level, you know, what, because somebody might be really excited to go do something and, you know, a lot and, and things can be shifted, they're far away, so no know your body that's listen to your body mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> the first night we got there uh, I was totally just bonked from setting up camp and I just lay down on the cot and went to sleep before the Sun went down I think and she jumped on her bike found a friend that we knew from Dallas and uh, we, we, we had one friend from Dallas that was going to be there and he met up with us and she took off riding with him and the next time I saw her was somewhere after, after sunrise the next day, and she was just her little turbo self, Energizer Bunny, just going, going, going. And so whenever she showed up, then I was awake, and so I went and did the same thing while she slept. So we had our schedules were a little off there for a first day or two, but then after that we synced up and got to have some experiences together, and it was a great balance. Okay, so now we're standing in Reno in front of a... I don't know where we're at, but we're in Reno. And um, tell me about how you're decompressing. Uh, we are. We stayed last night, um, and we're going to stay tonight here and just kind of hang out. And as we meet other burners that are doing the same thing, probably just chit-chat with them. And we're thinking about um, returning home and how things are different for us and how we can now choose to mold our lives into anything that we want to. And, you know, going out there and living in the dust and in a dome and getting yourself there, it does change 
change you. It does. You you kind of go, I did that so I can do X, Y, Z. And you move on in molding and kind of shaping your next plan. For me, one of the things that I learned out there was my connection or some would say obsession with stuff. I know that in our modern day life, yeah, you know, we have all this stuff in our house and in our garage and in our attic. And when you go to Burning Man, it's like the stuff. Sure, there's costumes and there's toys and things like that. But I've, I really noticed the, the connection with stuff and, and how I really don't need it. And I've come away with the sense of feeling I can be a total gypsy. I can totally throw stuff in a backpack, jump in a vehicle or whatever, and I could. I feel like I, after this journey, I could, I could bounce around. I could live on the road. I could just be a traveler. Okay, we'll wrap this up. What is your hope and fear, as a couple, as the event of Burning Man, and or the the planet? I have to go planet because whatever whatever you have inside of you individually as a person can then be global and widespread and we don't just stop with ourselves it doesn't just stop with me or or you or you or even us as a couple i think that whatever you look at for yourself you really need to find some sort of a global perspective or you're missing out uh, and burning man um, kind of strips away those national boundaries a little bit so that you can connect with other people and go okay so who are you you know and what does your culture and your location have to do with who you are now just coming away from burning man you look at authenticity and how people show up are, are they authentic or are they trying to fit in some certain mold and for myself that's that's been the case and and i've 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 come away feeling not so much fear to be myself whatever that is or will be let your fear go yes uh-huh and I, I like turbo said for the planet i think that the more people who are living their lives authentically whatever that is to them then everything just gets better <laughs> in our community <laughs> thank you very much thank you that was paulo and turbo from dallas texas they are two virgin burners who spoke to us on the streets of Reno about their experiences at Burning Man 2006. Coming up is my own personal reflections about this year's burn as I drove back to my default life along the historic Highway 395, which spans California Owens Valley and connects Reno to the Los Angeles Basin. But for now, here's another selection of music from Nerve Picnic's Phalanx of Echoes CD.
I'm the bomb, and today is Wednesday, September 6th. I left Burning Man on Monday. I spent the night in Reno. And took the 395 uh, on my way home and soaked in some hot springs. And now I'm here at 11,000 feet at the uh, ancient bristlecone pine forest. I'm sitting beneath a patriarch tree. It is the world's largest bristlecone pine. What is significant about these trees is that they are considered one of the oldest living things on this earth. They grow here in the White Mountains of California, and they exceed 4,000 years of age and are still growing. I've always wanted to come here, and always imagined I'd be coming with a group of friends, people I met, coming back from Burning Man. But I'm now here by myself, and it is the most amazing place I think I've ever seen. The word that comes to mind is solitude. Do you hear that? It's absolutely nothing but the wind. And I think it's a really beautiful balance between all the stimulation I experienced at Burning Man and now to sit here with my newest friend, this bristlecone tree, the patriarch as he's known. Just sit. It's lovely. Absolutely lovely. I spent most of Burning Man running around interviewing people for my project, Burncast. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. And now I'm sitting, like I said, I'm sitting here with my newest friend and I really wish I could hold a mic to his face, to his leaves, to his roots, to his trunk, and ask him what it's been like these past 4,000 years. As I ran around the playa this year, I interviewed the community. Well, hold on. I got water here. I interviewed the community. Oh no! Oh, there we go. <laughs> about various things. About how they got their playa name, about their art project, and I had to drink some water. Stuff like that. Um, if I seem a little breathless, I am. I'm at 11,000 feet, so bear with me. Anyway, I was thinking as I was driving over here, some of the questions I've asked people, I should apply to myself. So I think one of the most common questions I asked people was what their hopes or their fears were personally for the community, for the world at large. So here's my take. On a personal level, my hope at this time in my life is to have a healed and recovered relationship with my father who I've been estranged with for many years. It's complex. I emailed him several times this year to invite him to come to Burning Man to see the magic. And maybe that may happen, but I know it won't happen right now. But I hope it happens within our lifetime together. And I think about him, Daddy, I think about you every day. And I want you to know I love you very much.
we share the same birthday, so it's kind of heavy. It's kind of neat. Oh, my fear with my dad is that this, my wish may never happen. But what I've learned from Bernie Man is that you just take it moment by moment and you never know what's around the corner. So maybe, we'll see. So my hope and fear for Bernie Man is that it continues to flourish. Just flourish. And then I hope that the community shines. And shines the light that they generate on the playa and shines it everywhere on this planet and who knows, maybe into the galaxy. Um, my fear is that the event may grow too big and become too unwieldy and collapse under critical mass. And even if it did, I'm like thinking to myself, even if it did, we're burners. We'll, we'll reinvent ourselves. We'll reinvent the community. We'll reinvent the experience. We'll reinvent the event. So it's all good. And then my hope for the planet at large. Actually, my hope for my country. Let me start with my country. My hope for my country is that we come to a place of peace and understanding. And I would wish that on an interpersonal level, on a community level, or and for my country as well. Because as an American, I understand that we're a culture of individuals. But as a burner, I understand that we're a culture of community. Oh God, I didn't mean to do that. But here we go. Oh, sorry. So I think it's a beautiful dance between the two cultures. And I hope and I wish that we come to a place of peace of understanding within the global <laughs> Here we go, community. Oops. I want to thank everybody I met on this journey this year to Black Rock City and back for the experiences, for the conversations, for the love, the joy, the hope, and the sharing. Namaste. been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, please visit our website, www.burncast.net. We'd like to thank Nerve Picnic for the music selection today. You can reach them at www.nervepicnic.com or their MySpace account at myspace.com slash nervepicnic. A very special thanks to Vector of nospectators.com for hosting these podcasts.